When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. We are live on a Thursday morning game week for the Standing Room Spartans podcast. The Tuck Come and Kickoff Week comes to a conclusion on the podcast today as we are finally, finally previewing a Michigan State football game. We have Rutgers coming in from Pescataway into East Lansing in Spartan Stadium, 12 o'clock on Saturday for the first uh, installment of the 2020 college football season for Michigan State. And, you know, hey, we couldn't be more excited. I'm riding solo here today. Kevin Parker, your host. Scott's been with me all week. If you haven't checked them all out, you know, again, today's Thursday. You got the rest of the day Thursday. You got all day tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday morning, of course, if you're out there walking your dog, if you're driving around somewhere uh, make sure you listen to all the pods this week because it was a crazy week. Normally, we just have the two. This week, we did four for you. Monday was the superlatives. <clears throat> we went through the superlative awards for this MSU football team. Tuesday was the Big Ten predictions. Wednesday, uh, yesterday, was the MSU-specific predictions for the entire season. And then, of course, today, we are previewing a football game. We're previewing the Rutgers week one and uh, basically how this is going to go. Pretty simple here. I'll give you a little overview of the opponent that we're playing, how they've fared the last couple of years, uh, a little bit about their offense and defense, and then we'll get into the nitty gritty a little bit more with some, uh, you know, real matchups of, of what we can expect, some things that we might have to worry about, some things that we should feel pretty confident about. And then we'll finish it off with my prediction. We'll we'll give you, you know, who I think is going to win the game as well as what the Vegas line is for the point spread and for the over-under and where I would lean on that. Uh, we'll keep track of that throughout the year because I, I'm curious to see how I do. You know, this uh, this year is crazy with COVID and, and my betting has been up and down. Some weeks I'm right on it. Some weeks uh, is just a nightmare. So uh, it's it's a lot of fun, though. You know, I, I do, of course, it's it's for entertainment. Look, I, I'm putting just a couple bucks on some of these games just for a little added enjoyment. I, I never bet on Michigan State, to be completely honest, because I'm already so emotionally attached to it that I, I don't need the financial attachment with there as well. So, um, But, you know, if, if you are looking to put a couple dollars down, maybe my advice can help you out. Um, I'll, I'll give you that as well at the end. So, of course, Rutgers comes into Michigan State 
And uh, look, they, they've had a, a tough run. Chris Ash was the head coach the last few years. It clearly did not work out. And Greg Schiano enters. Greg Schiano is somebody who brought Rutgers to their only success, really, in the recent memory where, you know, he had them competing for, for Big East championships back in the day. So he left. He went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be a head coach there, took a couple years off of football, came back and was the defensive coordinator at Ohio State for a few years, and now comes back to Rutgers to try to resurrect this program once again. And it's going to be a tough job. Uh, the last five years, they were 13-47 and 47 overall, and even worse is 4-40 and 40 in the Big Ten. And so that's going to take a long time of, of recruiting, of getting the right players, of, of you know getting your program into a spot where you're not looking to compete for a Big Ten. You're looking to just keep games competitive for the first couple of years and maybe show some of these recruits that there's at least improvement going on. He got an eight-year deal, and I think that was necessary given the the circumstances he's walking into. But you know, a lot of that's you know in the distant memory. Let's look at last year. So last year they were two and ten. Their wins were against Liberty and UMass. So take that for what you will. Zero and nine in the Big Ten. Uh, but the worst part is is here's the combined score of those nine Big Ten conference games: three hundred and fifty-five to fifty-one. Uh, it was just. It was a rough year. Look, uh, I, I think anybody in uh, in the Mar- or in the Rutgers program would tell you that it just wasn't pretty. I, I mean, Maryland's a bad team. They lost forty-eight-seven in that one. They lost thirty-five nothing. Got shut out against Indiana. Thirty to nothing. Shut out against Iowa. Fifty-two nothing. Shut out against Michigan. Twenty-seven nothing. Shut out against Michigan State. It was just ugly, ugly, ugly. And I don't know, uh, Greg Schiano brings in some hope for the future. But again, we're looking at 2020, and, and I think there's still a long way to go. I, I do think that maybe this energy, they're bringing in a bunch of transfers that we'll get to. But, uh, man, it was just so bad last year. It's been so bad the last couple of years that it's it's hard to envision a, an immediate turnaround here. On offense last year, they were dead last in the country, 129th out of 129 FBS teams in scoring per game at 13.3 points, in points per play, in yards per game at 273, in explosive runs. All of those categories, they were dead last in the FBS. They were near the bottom in everything else. I mean, it was just a bad year for the offense. They do bring back 76% of their production on offense, which is relatively high compared to most schools. But, um, you know, when that when that production is netting you 13 points a game, I, I don't really know how excited you can be about the, the experience. On defense, they were in the bottom 30, so, you know, past 100th in the country, bad in scoring, you know, points per game, in points per play, in yards per play third down percentage, rushing yards, yards per carry, negative yard percentage, passing yards per attempt, QBR. And, you know, the only defensive categories when you look at it that look okay is like passing yards per game. They were middle of the road. Well, teams were up 35 nothing in the third quarter and they didn't need to pass the ball anymore. So, you know, when you're looking at, again, QBR, passing yards per attempt, 
those were all really bad. So, you know, don't let that passing yards per game number fool you. The the quarterbacks had pretty relatively easy success against this Rutgers defense as well. Again, bring back 79% of their production from last year, so they do return a lot of experience, but I don't really know if you can look at that as a positive when the experience that they have netted you those results the last couple of years. So, uh, but that was last year. Again, this year they bring in Greg Schiano to be the head coach again in his second stint at Rutgers. Uh, he brings in a new staff with him, and and with it maybe some energy, maybe a little bit more excitement. There's some transfers that that came in that we'll get to. Uh, included in that is the new offensive coordinator Sean Gleason. Uh, he was formerly the OC at Oklahoma State. If you know anything about college football, you know what kind of offense they're running down there with that just run and shoot. They're scoring points all over the field. They're they're running up tempo. They're throwing the ball down the field. Um, so I, I would expect to see a little bit of that with Sean Gleason. Before then, he was at Princeton, and his offenses in the Ivy League were putting up like 50 points a game. So it is kind of one of those up-and-coming offensive minds that you know, maybe they found something there in, in Sean Gleason and Greg Schiano found himself a good hire. But again, you're asking these kids who formerly played in a completely different system to go to this new up-tempo style and try to throw the ball over the yard. And um, it, it's going to take some time. So week one, if, if we're looking at this game, again, we're both bringing a new coaching staff. So I think that's kind of a wash. But um, when you're looking at just a complete offensive philosophy change, that might be tough for these guys to get clicking early in the season. Now, they did release a depth chart. That is one nice thing when we're looking at this matchup. Of course, Mel Tucker said they're not releasing depth charts, um, which as a podcaster, as a content creator, is relatively frustrating. I'm not going to lie, but uh, I can't say it's completely unexpected. He hinted at the rep chart earlier this off season that they won't really have a depth chart that they'll just have the rep chart. So uh, it's not really too surprising. It is quite frustrating, but we do have a depth chart from Rutgers to, to kind of help us out here as we're looking to see what to prepare for. And at the quarterback position, uh, they have two listed guys as uh, Arthur Sikowski. He was uh, a guy that has started 14 games for Rutgers the last couple of years or Noah Verdal, Vedral, Noah Vedral. Uh, he's a transfer from Nebraska, who was formerly a transfer from UCF, a guy that followed Scott Frost from UCF to Nebraska, now transfers over to Rutgers. So they do have a quarterback competition as well. So again, the the um, the links between these two teams keep coming. New coaching staffs, quarterback battles, uh, Arthur Sikowski. Uh, again, he, he was at the helm for a lot of this Rutgers futility. So, uh, you're, you're not going to be looking too good in the stat sheet when you're looking at his numbers. He had a game against Maryland in 2018. The stat line finished up as two for 16, eight yards, four interceptions. I, I mean, I remember that bouncing around social media, but I just wanted to bring that back because two for 16 passing eight yards, and four interceptions. He had half as many interceptions as he had yards. And that is so hard to do. Uh, but in his career, again, he's played 14 games, five touchdowns to 20 interceptions. Look, I, I'm not going to put it all on Sikowski. 
He has not got a lot to work with there at Rutgers. The offensive line was bad. The skill position players were bad. So it's not all on the quarterback. But that being said, those are some rough numbers, and I would be really surprised to see him starting this game. Uh, I think, you know, again, you, you can lean towards the experience, but at the same time, it's a new offensive coordinator and a new scheme, and it's a scheme that I think fits Noah Vedral a little bit better. The the other listed potential starter at quarterback, again, transferred from UCF and Nebraska and followed Scott Frost, and Scott R- Frost runs that up-tempo offense that uh, you know he brought in from Oregon with his time as the offensive coordinator there. So uh, I think this is somebody who's already a little bit accustomed to that scheme and a little bit accustomed to running up-tempo. He's played in 12 games in his career. He's started two of them. Uh, and I just think that he's probably going to be the guy that we're looking to prepare for a little bit more. I wouldn't call him a dual threat quarterback, but he can run it a little bit if you need him to on third down uh, to you know pick up uh, six or seven yards. I, I think he's certainly capable of that. But you know we're not looking at a, a Denard Robinson out here, so. I would expect to see Noah Vidral at quarterback. Arthur Sitkowski, though, is is still keeping his name alive in the mix there. I think they have like eight quarterbacks on the roster. They brought in a bunch of transfers, so they're just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, and uh, I don't blame them. They're just, you know, taking this. You know, if, if Mel Tucker has a, a year zero, so so that's being called. Greg Schiano has like a year negative five. I mean, there is no expectations whatsoever for him this year. So if if I'm Greg Schiano and I'm Sean Gleason, I'm playing all eight quarterbacks. I don't care. I, I just I'm taking this season. Maybe just start one per game, right? Just just give everybody a game and and uh, see how it pans out because. There is no reason to to just try to stick with older players and try to win a couple games. I, I expect Rutgers right away to just play a bunch of young guys, see who can play, and so that maybe by this time next year they can bring in a couple of New Jersey recruits and and try to figure something out. But that's their quarterback situation. Now, running back, they actually had a little bit of uh, production there. Isaiah Pacheco is probably their best guy. He is their returning starter. 729 yards and seven touchdowns last year on just over four yards of carry. So, you know, when you're looking at this Rutgers offense, that's a guy who actually produced a little bit. So we got to give him credit. Um, the running game should be what they're leaning on with that futility in the passing game that they've had. Uh, wide receiver, they are bringing back their leading receiver from last year, Bo Melton, 427 yards and two touchdowns. So really nothing to write home about, but uh, they are bringing back him Aaron Crookshank is the guy that we have to keep an eye on here because he's transferring in from Wisconsin and he had two uh, return touchdowns last year. He had a kick return touchdown in the Rose Bowl. This is an athlete. This kid can get out in space and make plays. And if you're not keeping an eye on him, he can blow you up for for a deep 60-yard touchdown. And so if we're looking at anybody on this offense that can really – we're trying to game plan around. I would guess Aaron Crookshank is going to be that guy. Again, it's a new offensive coordinator and he's transferring in from a Wisconsin system. So we have no idea how he's going to be used. I'm sure the coaching staff doesn't really know how to prepare for him exactly, but I do trust the defensive minds and our coaching staff to figure that out. And it's a guy that they're certainly going to have circled every time he's out on the field. So he's going to be one of those starting receivers and if you're looking for a guy that could make some plays, 
Aaron Crookshank, the Wisconsin transfer, is probably going to be that guy. Offensive line, it's not been good. They're only returning one full starter from last year. They have a couple guys with a couple snaps under their belt, but only one full-time starter is coming back. I expect that group to struggle again. Looking over to the defensive side of the ball, Greg Schiano is obviously a defensive coach. He was the D coordinator at Ohio State. Uh, he brought in his guy, Rob Smith, who's basically followed him around everywhere. He was the Rutgers DC when Shiano was there. He followed him to Tampa Bay. Um, he's basically been with Shiano his whole career. He was at Texas A&M last season. Now, the defense, again, the numbers weren't great last year. You have a couple guys coming back that could be players, but really the story here on defense, I think, is the transfer portal and how they utilize that to try to get somebody or anybody into this system and be productive. Michael Dwumafor from Michigan and Malik Borrow are coming in. Uh, he's from Ohio State. Those two are coming in on this defensive line, and they're probably going to be making an impact right away. Dwumafor and Borrow from Michigan and Ohio State transferring in. Brendan White is an Ohio State transfer as well at safety. So you're looking at those three guys probably going to get a lot of playing time. You know, again, all committed to Michigan and Ohio State. So pretty big time recruits that Rutgers traditionally is not going to get. Uh, now, Brandon White started a few games at Ohio State, even at safety. I think he's going to make an impact. Uh, but that defensive line, I think, is going to be really interesting. They struggled mightily last year. And so how are these two transfers going to come in and, and maybe sure things up? I don't know. Linebacker spot, you're probably your best returning player from the 2019 Rutgers team is Tyshawn Fogg. He, was, uh, he wasn't he was all Big Ten player, 104 tackles. Uh, they, they do bring back pretty much their whole uh, linebacking core, but Tyshawn Fogg is, is certainly the highlight of that group. And on special teams, you're bringing back both your kicker and your punter, and both were pretty darn good last year. Uh, their punter was Adam Corsack, and he was a Ray Guy semifinalist. So, you know, one of the better punters in the country coming back this season. You also have Justin Davidovich. Uh, he was 20 of 26 last year in his field goals and made all of his extra points. So, um, you have a couple guys coming back on the special teams, which is also always good, especially for a new head coach, I think, to know that you can lean on your special teams a little bit. But that's that's kind of the quick breakdown breakdown of Rutgers. Let's let's get into some of the matchups here specifically that we're gonna see on Saturday. And we'll start with a couple reasons that as a Michigan State fan, you might be worried about this game. And number one, obviously it's just a, a whole new coaching staff for Rutgers and not really knowing what to prepare for, especially when you bring in a Sean Gleason, a, a, you know, one of these up-tempo offensive coordinators who's going to look to to keep a defense on the field, who's, who's going to look to keep their defense without substitutions. And, you know, how are we going to adjust to that is certainly going to be interesting, especially when we don't really know what to prepare for at quarterback. I, again, I think Noah Vedral, Vedral is going to be the guy, but you're not really sure what to prepare for. And in that sense, that could be something to worry about. But again, it does kind of get washed out because it's it's going both ways in that sense. But I guess if you're when you're trying to find reasons to worry against Rutgers, you, you got to really dig deep on some of these, and that would probably be one of them. 
Um, another one is that they do have a pretty decent running game. And so if we make some mistakes early in this game, maybe, I don't know, fumble on the first drive, give them good field position or something like that. If if we get them in a situation where it's close throughout the game and they're able to run the ball and, and don't have to play catch up and throw the ball every play, that could be really interesting. Um, now, again, I think our front seven should be equipped to handle it, but that is probably the strength, not probably, that is the strength of their offense is the running game and their running backs are, they have a couple guys that can play, but again, led by Isaiah Pacheco, I think that's going to be the group that they're going to lean on, especially early in this game. So the longer that they can keep it close, the more they they can continue to run the ball, and and that's what they do best on offense. So I guess that could be another thing to worry about. On the defensive side for them, the linebacker group is relatively strong, and if these defensive line transfers can come in and make plays and maybe slow down Eli Collins in the running game and force Rocky Lombardi or Theo Day or, or whatever inexperienced quarterback that we're throwing in there if we can force us to be a little bit one-dimensional throwing the ball, uh, maybe they could have a little bit of success there as well. Uh, but again, with Rutgers, you really got to dig deep for some of these reasons to worry because, look, we went through the numbers. They're, they were a bad team last year, really bad team last year. And even with a new coaching staff, even with a, a couple of transfers, I think it'll definitely take some time before they're at a position where they're competing for um, – any Big Ten games that aren't Maryland, uh, Illinois level opponents. So now the reasons to be confident as a Michigan State fan, the reasons that, you know, we, we really shouldn't be too worried about this game. And number one um, is obviously we also have a new coaching staff. They don't really have much to prepare for as well. So that's, you know, we talked about that quite a bit. Um, and really the thing comes down to here is if we can get an early lead, this game's probably over. Look, their passing game so bad. And yeah, they bring back one leading receiver who had 400 yards last year. They bring in a transfer from Wisconsin that, you know, really struggled to, to find passing attempts or find targets in the receiving game, um, was mostly a special teams guy. And, and while again, he is kind of one of those game breaking athletes, he didn't really show the well-rounded receiving game that that really scares me a whole lot. And I do like our defensive backfield quite a bit. So I, I think if we can get out to an early lead in this game um, and just pound the rock with Eli Collins the rest of the way, I think we shouldn't really be too worried about this one. I, I don't think that even with this up-tempo offense and Sean Gleason, our offensive coordinator, I don't think I'm too worried about them throwing the ball around the yard and coming back in the fourth quarter from a couple of scores. So if we get out to an early lead, we let Eli Collins do his thing, uh, we should be able to put this one to bed relatively quickly. But again, that's going to come down to the first quarter. I think the first quarter is going to be super important in this game. Uh, if we can just establish a lead early, we can cruise. If we go down early or if you know the longer that they can hang into this game, is going to be pretty impactful. So, you know, what are the things that we're worrying about here as as a Michigan State fan base, or what are the storylines we're looking for? And obviously, number one is going to be the quarterbacks. Who's going to go out there and take the first snap? Who else takes snaps? Because, uh, look, Mel Tucker was on a press conference uh, yesterday and mentioned that 
we don't, you know, we're not naming a starting quarterback right now. It's still a battle between all three of these guys in Rocky Lombardi, Peyton Thorne, and Theo Day. How many of those three take snaps on Saturday? Who takes the first snap? Uh, who looks the best? Who do they trust to throw the ball to the to outside to the numbers? Um, you know, who's coming in and just handing the ball off? I, I think that's going to be something we're looking for is not only who's taking the snaps, but what are they doing with those snaps and, and when are they coming? Are, you know, did they get them in only in the fourth quarter when we were up? Did they get them in in the first half when there was still a lot of competition to be played? That's obviously going to be the number one storyline here for any MSU fan that's watching this game is who are ta- who's taking the snaps at quarterback, when are those snaps happening, and what are they doing with them. That's clear in a way the, the, the first thing that we're going to be looking for. Now, outside of the quarterback spot, a couple things that I'm going to be curious about is, you know, look, we, we didn't get a depth chart and we're not going to get a depth chart. And I was talking to Corey Robinson from Rivals about, you know, some of these guys that we expect to see or that maybe we've been expecting to start and, and might not. And I think there's going to be a lot of shakeups that we're not really expecting. You know, Scott and I have talked pretty extensively about, you know, we think Trey Person might have a big year at safety. You know, there's some buzz. Maybe Michael Dowell's going to be the guy starting there. Maybe it'll be uh, Chris Jackson starting at one of the corner spots. Uh, you know, maybe Julian Barnett's not playing as much as we think he is early on in the season because he just doesn't have a whole lot of experience yet at that spot. And, you know, the talent and the athleticism is certainly there. But, you know, you got to earn your spot with a new head coach. And so, man, I, I'm just... I want to see how the depth chart really plays itself out and who's getting snaps and who's getting the impactful snaps on third downs and, you know, in clutch situations, who's getting the carries around the goal line. I mean, there's just so many depth chart related things that I'm curious about. I I guess if I had to narrow it down to a couple, it'd be the defensive backfield. Number one, I'm really, really interested just because there's such a lack of experience outside of Xavier Henderson so who's going to be the guys that are, um, you know, making plays around there? So on the outside, is it Shakur Brown? Is it Kalen Gervin? Is it uh, Julian Barnett? Is it Chris Jackson? You know, who who's getting the reps on the outside at corner, at free safety? Again, is it Trey Person? Is it Michael Dowell? Is it Darius Snow? I mean, who are getting these snaps in the defensive backfield, I think, is the number one depth chart related issue outside of the quarterback position that I'm really curious to see. Um, number two is going to be who who are kind of the go-to wide receivers for each of these quarterbacks. So when you're looking at, again, I, I do believe that we're going to see more than one. When Rocky Lombardi's on third down, who's he looking to? Is it Jaden Reed? Is it Trey Mosley? When Theo Day gets in there, who's he looking to on third down in clutch situations? Is it you know, Jalen Naylor, is it, uh, is it Trayvon Morgan? Who are the wide receivers that, that we're going to kind of get a glimpse of and say, okay, these are the guys that they're really trusting, not only from the quarterback position, but from the coaching staff to dial up plays on, on clutch situations. So that's going to be really interesting to me. I, I kind of, I, I feel pretty confident in my assessment of the wide receivers and who I think is going to be getting a bulk of the playing time. With Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor, and Trey Mosley, and and Trayvon Morgan getting mixed in there as well. But the really curious thing is going to be 
you know, who are the go-to guys for each of these quarterbacks? Is it the same guy or is it a different guy, right? Maybe Rocky Lombardi is keying in on Trey Mosley early in the game. And then, you know, Theo Day comes in later and and he's throwing everything to Jaden Reed. Uh, that's going to be really exciting to watch and really interesting to see how these different quarterbacks are, are keeping an eye on these different skill players and, and who they're trusting early on in the season, early on in this first week. So, um, the defensive backfield, the wide receivers, um, and then the other spot that I'm just I, I'm really excited to to see who who comes out of it is the right tackle. And I know it's not sexy to talk about the offensive line depth chart, but the right tackle out with Jordan Reed opting out, I think, is fascinating. We've talked about that position a couple times. Is it Spencer Brown? Is it Devontae Dobbs? Both of those guys were big time recruits. Is it Luke Campbell? Did he come back from his injury rehab? You know ahead of schedule did he put that weight back on and is he playing at a high level I mean there's there's so many things to shake out there maybe Mustafa Khalifa has made strides this offseason who's going to be starting in that right tackle spot Um, who's getting extra reps as like a sixth offensive lineman coming in because I I think the rest of the spots maybe aren't locked in and sharpie but I feel pretty confident in saying that it's going to be our Curry, Duplain, Allen, and Jarvis but uh, that right tackle spot's up for grabs, and I'm really curious to see who lines up there first uh, and who has shown their ability in, in training camp and in practice to, to really take that spot. And one thing I've loved is that Chris Kapilovich has mentioned that, look, none of these jobs are forever. You might be starting today, but you're not guaranteed that spot tomorrow. So I think there's a lot of competition, and I think that's going to run right through week one against Rutgers and, and who's going to be taking those first snaps Really excited to see that. So um, that's kind of from just the MSU perspective, uh, but I'm really interested to see that in this game. Um, So let's get this to a prediction. Last season, Michigan State won this game 27 to nothing. Rutgers had 140 yards of total offense, which is just horrible. Uh, But Brian Lewerke went 239 yards and three touchdowns. 136 of those yards and all three touchdowns went to Cody White. That was his probably biggest game of his career at Michigan State. Eli Collins went for a buck oh nine on the ground with 109 yards. And, uh, you know, obviously we shot him out on, uh, on defense. So the line as I'm recording here, it is, let's see, Wednesday morning. It's about 1030 a.m. And the line is currently Michigan State. 13 and a half. There's already been a little bit of movement on this game, so I'm, I'm curious to see what it gets to at kickoff. 13 and a half uh, point spread for Michigan State, over under set at 44 and a half, meaning that the implied Vegas point total here is. Wait just one second while I do some quick math. Um, so 44 and a half points, you take away 13. So um, something like, I don't know. I, I'm way too exhausted to do math. It's been a long week, but the over-under is 44 and a half. The, the spread is 13 and a half. Ignore my stupidity there. Uh, my prediction for this game, Michigan State 23, Rutgers 6. So I think Michigan State's going to be able to move the ball on offense up and down the field. Uh, my my only issue is I, I think maybe that there's going to be, again, new scheme, new players, new quarterback. 
think, you know, once we get down into goal line situation, maybe Rutgers can tighten up that defense a little bit. You know, you're not looking at as many options uh, when you're throwing the ball, the field tightens up and, and you don't really have as many opportunities around there. So uh, maybe we're, we're able to move the ball down the field, but we're just not able to punch it in for six. That's kind of where I'm looking at this two touchdowns, three field goals. You're, you know, you're just not converting at the uh, rate that you would like. Uh, but a, again, on offense, we should be able to move the ball down the field. And on defense, I, I just think, again, this Rutgers offense is bad, man. And so when you're looking at a Michigan State defense that sure doesn't return a whole lot of experience, but I think our defensive line should have no problem with that Rutgers O-line. I think Naquan Jones is going to cause some problems in the middle. You got Antoine Simmons that's going to be able to fly around and make plays. And I think, again, when you're looking at their receivers compared to our defensive backs, I think there's a pretty clear advantage, uh, especially when you're looking at the quarterback. So I, I think on defense, we really shouldn't have a hard time keeping them out of the end zone. Um, whether this is, I, I think they'll be able to get within field goal range a couple times maybe. But uh, again, I, I just think that this is a game that we should be able to keep in hand for uh, most of the most of the way, if we get an early score in the first quarter and just kind of keep them at arm's length, I'd be a happy man. So twenty three to six, which if you're keeping track would be over that thirteen and a half points. So I will pick Michigan State. I'll take the points thirteen and a half, uh, and I'll give you the points. I guess if I was uh, talking in gambling terms, so I'll give you thirteen and a half. I'll take Michigan State either way. And 23 and six, that would be 29 points, which is well under the 44 and a half. I just think that these are going to be, it's going to be a sloppy game. I think there's going to be a lot of punts on both sides. I just don't see two offenses being able to go out and put together 20 points on, on both sides of the ball. And I think if we're looking at a, a, a blowout type game, I don't see Michigan State getting into the, the mid to high 30s in week one. So, I think this one's a pretty safe under. So give me Michigan State to win, Michigan State with the 13.5 points, and the under 44.5 will continue updating how I did every week with these predictions. And uh, hopefully we're above 500 at the end of the year. Uh, if you do, uh, go on Twitter at Standing Room MSU. Of course, you can follow along. The staff will be doing our predictions for the whole Big Ten slate as well as a couple of the bigger national games every single week. We've been doing it the last few weeks without the Big Ten, kind of as a little warm-up. I called it the big game slate. Uh, we just picked a couple of the biggest games going on around college football. And, uh, you know, we struggled a lot at the beginning of the year, but I, I, all of us kind of turned it around, and, and we ended up right around 500, most of us. Um, I had a 6-1 and one week last week, I will say that. I had Kentucky with the points. I had Pitt over uh, over uh, Miami, excuse me, uh, South Carolina. I had straight up over Auburn. That was an upset win. Uh, Louisville against Notre Dame. I, I had a pretty good week last week. I think Alabama and Georgia was the big one. That was a lock easy. But again, uh, make sure you follow on Twitter at Standing Room MSU. On game day mornings, we'll be posting a graphic with all of our picks, myself, Scott, Marshall and the doc TJ uh, we'll we'll make sure that we get you ready if you are gambling on these games we'll give you our our advice 
if you're not gambling, but you just want to take a look and see, you know, what we think is going to happen around the country, make sure you keep an eye on that as well. And and we'll be keeping track of our records throughout the whole Big Ten season. And that's going to be a lot of fun. So obviously, again, I will keep you posted on how I'm doing for the Michigan State games. I'll keep you posted on how I'm doing in the Big Ten slate. Um, this week, it's going to be an interesting one. I think, obviously, the headline game is that Minnesota-Michigan game at night on Saturday. I think it's game day. I, I'm not really sure. But, you know, Michigan, they, they lost Nico Collins. I like Minnesota in that one. Uh, but there should be a couple good games uh, it's it's not the best week one slate, but I think there's always going to be something that surprises us. So I'm really excited. Look, noon kickoff. I, I love noon kickoffs. I love my Michigan State football early, and this should be a blast to get Mel Tucker era kicked off. Noon, Spartan Stadium. Be there or be square. I guess you can't really be there because of COVID, but... Uh, make sure you're watching, and I'm really excited. Follow on Twitter at Standing Room MSU. Follow on Instagram at Standing Room Spartans. And uh, by the next time you hear my voice on Monday morning, we will either be very happy or very, very upset. One way or the other, we will be with you. So take care, folks. Have yourselves a phenomenal weekend. Go green as the first pregame preview is in the books. Take care, folks.